certified fresh mm. and an audience score of 86. So, with that in mind, why do people not know about this movie? What happened? Well, this film, believe it or not, is Canadian. Mm, that's it. It's Canadian. Right there. <laughs> That'll do that's it. That's the reason. This is Cinebites. episode of Cine Vibes, ladies and gents, we have a good movie review for you today. A fun one that you've probably actually never heard of, but is now available on Netflix for you to enjoy. So, starting out, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. We have not disclosed this before, but we feel that maybe now is a time to do that ahead of these reviews because... We just want to get into it and give you all the juicy details and fun facts. So if you haven't watched and plan to, maybe go check out the movie first and then swing back by and give this a listen. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended that you do. So before we kick off this week's episode, we want to jump back to a little segment we haven't done in a hot second. I've noticed that we haven't done it in a while and I know we need to bring it back. So therefore, I ask you the age-old question, Trey. What have you watched recently? That is an excellent question. And Thank you. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> you know, I tried real hard. I have been on a little bit of a drought. Okay. Life's been a little bit busy. Mm-hmm. But I have watched a few things, and I think they're noteworthy. So I'm going to toss those out there. First, I watched Sweet Home Alabama for the first time. Really? Which is a lovely little rom-com set in the beautiful year of 2002. Yep. And I enjoyed it. I had a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings and some good laughing moments. It's just a Mm -hmm. great, fun movie to watch with your significant other or a group of friends, so... If you're like me and waited almost 20 years to watch it, then I recommend checking it out. Yeah, that that as a good old boy, that's <laughs> that's a film that we uh we would watch quite often. And Josh Lucas is an actor that I keep my eye on. Every now and then he pops up and I see him in stuff and I'm just like Wait, isn't that the guy from Sweet Home Alabama? Yeah. And sure enough, it is. So I keep my eye on him. And then also Reese Witherspoon is always doing something busy. So If you go look at her producer credits right now, she has like a hundred projects in production. Yep. Like not joking, literally that many. That and she's running a book club. Yeah. Like who's got time to read books? I have no idea. And especially if she's got that many. Can't even find time to watch movies. Fun thing about that movie is just how the dynamic is with the two guys. We've all seen the 
the dichotomy of those rom-coms. It's either a guy chasing two girls or a girl chasing two guys. Mm-hmm. And generally, you kind of don't like one of them. Yeah. Not the case here. Both the guys are like solid choices, just depending on what she wants. So yeah, I found that kind of interesting. At least as much as it could, it made you feel like maybe she could go both ways. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, one of them just a bad egg by the end. And you're like, oh, yeah, screw that guy. Get out of here. Well, just a quick tangent and my one, two cents on rom-coms and stuff like that. But, man, if you take the similarities between this film and The Notebook, The Notebook is more noteworthy, I think. Sweet Home Alabama is also like a tried and true old like classic. But The Notebook, that's one of those where she goes off and she has the opportunity to marry a really nice person. Literally no flaws at all. Nothing to bring her back to Gosling other than the baby blues. <laughs> There's nothing to warrant not marrying the guy and yet she doesn't do it. And the guy is nice as heck. Yeah. And then she just wants this dysfunctional relationship with Ryan Gosling. You know, it's just... But this film, it shows off the same thing as dysfunctional relationships go. You know, this woman comes back from the North. The city girl comes back to get divorced from this country guy. And it it's one of those where I think the trope kind of runs its course a bit. But... It does it in a nice way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The only other thing I have watched that I felt was worth presenting is The Queen's Gambit. Ah. I finished that limited series that's also available on Netflix. You're a master at chess now. I feel like I could hold my own. I don't know. Nice. We need to hit up a chess tournament and see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I... I've heard mixed things. Even someone I talked to recently was not really a fan. Mm-hmm. And I am a fan. I thought it was really well made. I thought the acting was pretty above average, at mm-hmm. least. And other than the mom being a terrible, terrible mom, mm-hmm. it's it's worth watching. And it, it's interesting. I mean, who would have thought chess would be something you want to watch for seven hours? Well, as a <laughs> South Carolina chess champion, you know, <laughs> yours truly would love to. In your high school league? Back in high school, I was uh, tearing up the chess boards. Nice. But this series was, I feel, like just an awakening moment as to the power and great acting ability of Anya Joy Taylor. <laughs> I think she was flying under some radars. Not if you're in the A24 community. If you're in the A24 community, you knew about her because of the witch and such. But this series really showed off her ability to be a character actress. Mm -hmm. And so I just noticed from the popularity of Queen's Gambit, Anya Joy Taylor, she just blew up. Now she's on every magazine cover and everything and, you know, all power to her. Yeah. Yeah, I first saw her in Split and really had a standout performance there as well. Mm-hmm. And then since I've seen her in movies like Emma and Thoroughbreds, yeah, I've seen her in at least four films now and she's definitely going to be around for a while. Yeah. 
Anyways, what have you been watching, my friend? Anything worth noting? Oh, man, I wasn't prepared for this at all. Jeez, what a question. Well, I also have been on kind of a dry spell. Been pretty busy with acting and just doing other stuff uh, and also work. But I have watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. And let me tell you, the performances in that film were fantastic. I think the story behind it was really well done. Screenplay, fantastic. And my God, Daniel Kaluuya in that film is powerful. All right. It also has one of my favorite actors to watch now, which is Lakeith Stanfield. Jesse Plemons also was a pretty big player in that film and also possibly got him the lead in a, I don't think it was Nolan, but one of those prominent, like really big director's films, which will come out in the next few years. He got the lead. Is it a Fincher movie? I think it is. It's a pretty big movie and he got the lead. And honestly, after watching Judas and the Black Messiah, I think he's going to do fantastic. I I love Jesse Plemons after watching that film. Not necessarily his character, but him as an actor. (laughs) But yeah, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. And also, I don't know if I can allude to this yet, but got some strong opinions about some awards. (laughs) But I also watched coming to america too Mm, yeah classic yes sequel made three decades late yep and honestly it shows (laughs) (laughs) i'm a huge fan of the first one i'm a big fan of it and i think the original is a really nicely made film really not i don't know if i can say original but it is pretty pretty good as a comedy goes and romance if you're into rom-coms that's one to go with. Eddie Murphy does a fantastic job. But when it comes to the second one, mm, I'll save my opinions for any future episodes we may have. But I'll just say it tried to be too much like its predecessor. Yeah, that's a shame. The trailer I found pretty hilarious at times. Mm-hmm. But I was worried about some of that as well so anytime a film starts showing clips from its original film it's just a bad taste in my mouth i'm like come on you're pretty much pulling like star wars things and you know referring back to things that were in the original one and only people who watch the first one will understand it you know Mm -hmm. it's just like these little grabs for some nostalgia so Those were the films that I've watched most recently, and also, I can probably say I watched that film that came out, The Little Things, the one that was on HBO Max. Yep. I watched that one as well, and... Denzel and Jared Leto. And Jared Leto, yes. The trifecta. People were... People were praising Jared Leto's performance honestly I'm not going to stand in their way of doing such but (laughs) I have some strong opinions about the ending of that film and most likely the rest of the film as well but (laughs) that's the entire runtime I have a strong opinion I have a strong opinion about every single second in that film (laughs) that's great but yeah that's pretty much all I've watched except for the film we're watching today yes and before we jump into that 
Let us know what you guys have been watching. We'd love to hear recommendations. We're always looking for new movies to watch, maybe new movies to review. Mm -hmm. So toss those our way. And without further delay, that rhymed. That did. Throwing that out there. Let's jump into it. On today's episode, we are looking at a movie that has a lot of interesting dynamics and was made on a very low budget and really pulls off a lot of things that a lot of movies haven't been able to do. If you read the plotline, a bold girl discovers a bizarre, threatening, and mysterious new world beyond her front door after she escapes her father's protective and paranoid control. We're reviewing Freaks. That's right. A 2018 film directed by Zach Lepofsky and Adam Stein. Not the 1930 film, just to clarify. (laughs) Yes, if you're watching that one, I don't know if it's good or not, but check back in on this one. It stars Emil Hirsch, Bruce Dern, and the new entry of Lexi Colker, who plays the little girl Chloe, Mm -hmm. which the story revolves around. Freaks, a sci-fi mystery thriller film that has a 63 Metascore, which is approaching decent and has a Rotten Tomatoes actually pretty high 88 certified fresh Mm. and an audience score of 86 so with that in mind why do people not know about this movie what happened well this film believe it or not is Canadian Mm, that's it it's Canadian right there (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. That's the reason. (laughs) Before we hop into the Freaks review, here's what happened in the news this week. Award season is in full swing, and the SAG Awards, we had some winners such as Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture, Trial of the Chicago 7, Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Leading Role, Viola Davis, Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Leading Role, Chadwick Boseman. But... That's not the only awards that happened this past week. The BAFTA Film Awards happened, with winners such as Lucy Pardee winning Best Casting for Rocks, and Donald Graham Burt and Jan Pascal winning Production Design for Mank. Also in the news, if you're a fan of the Safdie brothers like me and Trey are, Benny Safdie is attached to play Herb in Are You There God? It's Me, Margaret. As well as Benny and Josh have signed on to an untitled Matt Wolf documentary produced by HBO Documentary Films. Now, back to the Freaks review. I think that this film, although it has some pretty heavy hitters, it was... One of the first entries by Zach Lepofsky in the feature film world. So he, although he had some prominence beforehand with, I think, a Steven Spielberg competition. Yeah. And also he has done work on a bunch of Disney and Paramount, I believe, Mm-hmm. pictures and such as producing and some other lesser not necessarily lesser every single every single position is important <laughs> even, even the the gaffers right. but he he was not the forefront director and writer as he is on this film mm-hmm. and i think that you know he also worked on 
stuff like Kim Possible and also had some shorts previously. And I think his main avenue was more of a thriller horror type lane Mm -hmm. from his filmography. It seems like he's stuck in that type of lane. He also worked on Leprechaun as well. So he, he kind of stuck to that a bit. But he's also working on stuff like Kim Possible. That's apparently not... That's Horror. paying the bills, probably. Yeah, that one's that one's doing him well. And it seems like him and Adam are both like partners in a lot of this stuff. And yeah, this was their first kind of larger film together. Yeah, Adam B. Stein. Like, if you look at some of their work, it's almost like they'll go they go hand in hand. I think their contract states they need to be together, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the guys that do the Lego movie and all that, they always work together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't remember how I found this movie, but I think I listened to some form of a podcast and they were talking about it mm-hmm. and talking about what they were able to achieve with such a small budget with limited resources and to be able to pull off a story like this and the storyline, while not necessarily being deep, it has a lot of meat there. There's a lot of intricacies that are kind of fleshed out and things that we're led to believe about this bigger world mm-hmm. that, you know, can be made and oftentimes be pretty poorly done. Yeah. And this movie doesn't do that. It actually is made very well and has competent actors, at least in the main positions, you know, if you look at some of the supporting actors, they kind of fall off into the B, C, D level type movies. But mm-hmm. you have to just imagine that maybe they ran out of the budget or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the cast in this, I think, was really well put together, honestly. Like, I liked their performances. Emil, I'm a fan of Emil. Yeah. Honestly, Bruce Dern is kind of creepy uh by kind of i mean extremely creepy in this film he plays himself very well he serves the purpose of his character lexi Culker, i think she did a fantastic job as one of the leads and the acting all around i think was really well done yeah. I, it never was jarringly bad in my opinion so let's point out that lexi Culker was probably eight when she filmed this movie Mm -hmm. and she leads this entire cast yep amazingly yeah there's not one point in the movie where i'm like oh she's a child it's like no this is a grown woman professional actor like she was controlling everything in the movie and i mean there's only been a few young actors I've seen that in, like Julia Butters, for instance, from Once Upon a Time, had that kind of presence. Yeah. So yeah, just a, a really breakout role for her, and I'm excited to see whatever else she does, because it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think she did a fantastic job as well. Just as the character goes, I think she portrayed everything really well. And the story... Honestly, I think is where a good bit of my praise will go because this type of script and this type of plot line, it's not necessarily original, but yet it still is. It finds ways to surprise you. Yeah. You know, 
And it's a film about these freaks, quote unquote, who have these supernatural powers. And, you know, the beginning of the film, we're led to believe. And it almost is a, I think that there's just a wasteland outside, you know? Yeah. I think there's no people alive, right? They're locked in. All the windows are barred. The doors are just absolutely locked with like five or six locks. Mm-hmm. And Emil is looking like he hasn't slept or showered in 10 days, which is actually probably true <laughs> in the plot. Yeah. But it just looks very disarrayed and post-apocalyptic. And so when she looks out the window in the film and she sees the ice cream truck, she sees these other kids playing, I'm just like, yo, she's imagining things. She's a kid imagining like what it would be like to be outside and everything. So I'm like, honestly, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but the unreliable narrator, I'm just like... (laughs) I don't know if I can trust what I'm seeing, right? Yeah. Maybe it'll just all dissolve and be a wasteland. And it starts like introducing that uneasy feeling that things aren't maybe quite how they appear. Maybe there's some internal dynamics in the house. The dad might be crazy. There might be some sort of like extreme restriction type thing going on between the dad and the daughter chloe mm-hmm. but i mean you don't know because like there's a kid getting ice cream outside it's like that's normal enough i guess mm-hmm. but is there really a kid getting ice cream outside like you mentioned so yeah there's a lot of stuff that kind of starts building that tension a little bit of suspense and honestly you're not able to put your finger on it which is a testament to building a lot of different kind of dynamics into the storyline to keep you wanting to kind of figure out more and i think as the story starts progressing from there at times it feels like maybe there's a little bit of spoon feeding Mm -hmm. but in a large way i feel like it's pretty open and allows you as the viewer to actually watch the movie and start making your own determinations and answering questions for yourself Mm -hmm. and i found that to be a relief when i first watched it and enjoyed that yeah There were some points in it that I could tell they were trying to tell us the plot. But at the same time, those little bits of information they did give in the dialogue, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's nice to know. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't necessarily like I saw this coming and they're just stating it, you know, they say something and I'm like, oh, I learned more about the world they live in. Yeah. Right. That's good information. And I'm like, that's very helpful. Thank you so much for that dialogue. (laughs) But yeah, I think that the script wise, you know, the beginning when she looks outside and she goes to open the door, it's very suspenseful, honestly. Like within the first 10 to 15 minutes, I thought this was going to be a horror film. And then when I saw Zach Lepofsky, his past in horror films, I was like, is this going to be... The entire film, just a horror, like maybe not fully horror, but kind of like, you know, that little bit of horror, a little bit of, little bit of heads exploding. You never know. Something with like mental horror, you know, that's been kind of popular lately. Something like a us type of vibe or, you know, something's Mm -hmm. off in the world, but yeah, I could see that. 
especially when she opens up the door and she sees her mom sitting there and like who we don't know is her mom at the time we just think it's some lady that lives in the closet and i'm like yo this is creepy why the heck is she is she going crazy Mm -hmm. and this is where the unreliable narrator thing comes in is that i couldn't tell exactly what this film was about necessarily the superhuman aspect of it until like 15 to 20 maybe 30 minutes into the film yeah fully knowing that it was oh oh they have powers Mm -hmm. oh right but before then i was just like this could be a horror film this could be this could go anyway right this could just be a girl about to freak out and you know run outside right and see a bunch of zombies i had no idea so when we see the ice cream truck first off can i just say can we stop having ice cream trucks (laughs) can they just stop being like stop existing because when you want to know what's in my nightmares it's probably going to be an ice cream truck yeah that that is nightmare fuel yeah they're a non-essential item these days yes you know walk around the corner to the 7-eleven or whatever else or just get it Amazon to your house. I mean... <laughs> there you go. Don't even have to leave. The ice cream truck plus Bruce Dern in this film, I was just so unsettled. <laughs> I was extremely unsettled. And What was the name of his character? Like Mr. Sprinkles or something? It was like Mr. Ice Cream Man or something like that. Mr. Ice Cream Guy. I don't know. Ice Man. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. Yeah, let us know what it is. Because right here, I mean, it, on IMDb, it says Grandpa. Right. But we don't learn it's Grandpa, and he says it. All right, here's the thing. This is why I have an issue with the ice cream truck. First off, he opens up the back of the van, and this is good story and good directing, because, my God, when he said, yeah, get in the back. Come on. Like, let's go for a ride. Come on. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Where are you going to go? Oh, we're going to go to the park. Yeah, we're going to the park. And he's like, yeah, here, come on in. Here's some ice cream. I'm like, do not get in that van. I'm like, do not do that. And what does she do? She does. But then when they're at the playground and they're playing and the cop starts going off on them. Questioning them. And he he says, no, I'm her grandpa. And she doesn't know who he is. So she's like, oh, I don't know this man. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't know the guy. Right. It just made me so unnerved and so uncomfortable when he was like, yeah, get in the van, get in the van. Because I'm like, this is exactly why ice cream trucks should not exist. (laughs) All right, let's type up that email to ban those across the country. Yes. I swear to God, I hear any jingles. I'm just going to, my eye starts twitching. (laughs) I'm like, why? Yeah. And I think this is a good time to point out the world itself has these quote unquote freaks. And the powers they have are different. They don't all do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But the most unique one, which throws off kind of our understanding of the timeline, is probably, I wouldn't say most unique, because the one that the little girl has is awesome as well. But for the dad's character, he can create these kind of time bubbles Mm -hmm. that essentially stop time. Yeah. And so when we look out the window and we see the bird just floating there in the air, we're like, what the freak is that all about? But we come to find out that it's just stopped. Yeah, like when they start stuttering and they're like... And then also when 
when he passes out and the thing goes into him, right? When his power goes back into him uh-huh. and when he wakes up and it goes out, I'm like, what is this spell that he has? Yeah. Like, I have no idea what this is. And, you know, he passes out and that falls back into him. Like, that thing recedes back into him, the bubble. I'm just like, what is that? Like, is she free now? Was she mind controlled? I had no idea. And so then later on, I realized it's time. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like his time dilation or ability to mess with time. I just, I thought that was a cool power. And also, he can teleport. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, I would kill. For, no, I wouldn't really kill. <laughs> but I would love that power. Gotta spell things out these days. I know. I have to be very clear. I If someone winds up dead and it's in some kind of time looper scenario, it's not me. I promise. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't have the heart to kill. But apparently this little girl does. Yeah. One thing that, and maybe I missed this, so fill me in if I'm wrong. It's been only several months in the real world, but in this time bubble that he and his daughter are living in, has it been seven years? It's been like seven years. Because that kind of doesn't make sense in a way. No? That if you're just stopping time, wouldn't time be longer out in the real world than in your time bubble? No, because they are moving slower. So therefore, every second for them is like, let's say, 30 minutes for you. Gotcha. Because you're still moving at what you perceive as normal time, but everyone else is moving at like a tenth of that speed. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So therefore, like if let's say it was six months in the real world, it would be way more time for you because you're moving at such a faster speed than they are. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess in my mind, I was just thinking like stopping time. Mm hmm. But stopping time in the real world is different than them living at their, we'll call it hyperspeed time within the bubble. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that feels a little bit odd, but I think if you have Ken explain it to you, then you'll be good to go. Don't worry, I have the quantum physics of all this (laughs) worked out. If you need a spreadsheet, I'll send it to you. It's pretty dense. It's a tough read, but it's worth it. And if we're talking about powers, the powers that Chloe has, perhaps the most unique one of hers is the ability to, what we first think is the ability to talk to spirits maybe, or figments of her imagination. Mm -hmm. What we come to find out is she can talk to people that are alive at the same time as herself, Mm -hmm. but not be with them. Yeah. Her power allows her to be seen Mm -hmm. and to be heard by someone who is geographically probably on the other side of the world but the first time we're introduced to that is when she opens that door and you hear the slamming inside of what i think is just the boogeyman (laughs) i'm like don't open that door okay and she opens that door and there's a woman sitting there who looks so disorderly that i'm like please Someone help her. Mm -hmm. But she's freaking out. She's screaming. And it seems like just an absolute, like, not necessarily zombie, but something that just is not normal, right? It seems like an apparition. And so, therefore, she closes the door quickly. 
They check it. There's nothing there. But come to find out, that's the mom who is trapped in some cell far away being kept prisoner because she also has powers. And then also the next time we see that is when the girl that's across the street, she's trying to sleep. And then Chloe wants to have her call her mom or like be her mom. Yeah. She just wants to, you know, have her buddy, you know, a friend or something. Yeah. And she responds to it like, no, I just want to go to sleep, go away and all this other stuff. And so I'm just like, man, this this girl has a vivid imagination. Come to find out later on in the film, the other girl is like, yo, she makes me do stuff at night, like call her my daughter and say I love her and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah, she can like, I don't know how she does it, but she can reach through space and time and talk to other people. Yeah, it's a very impressive ability. And I think we're kind of disoriented by it because a lot of times when we think of children we think of them having vivid imaginations and having the ability to kind of fabricate these stories and they're just you know trying to enjoy themselves have fun so we think that's all it is at first like just these made-up things and like okay like that's fine who are these people Mm -hmm. okay we don't know who anyone is yet And I think it's just a testament to the writing and the structure of the story that it feels very fresh in that way. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, this girl's like, well, to use the title of the movie, a freak. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't feel that initially. You're just like, maybe this girl is hurting or like lonely because she's been trapped in this house. She's trying to like create these environments for herself. Mm -hmm. And that could easily be taken in a different direction, which would be a lot different type of movie where it's maybe more on the horror side of things. Yeah. But they kind of straddle that line really nicely with horror and Mm sci-fi. And one of the examples of that is how she's doing this interaction with these people that aren't with her physically. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, part of that's creepy. Like some of the ability to do that is creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of the conversations she has is creepy. Yeah. But it's within this sci-fi element of this bigger world where there's other people like her, perhaps, including her dad. And we come to find out her mom, mm-hmm. which can communicate back. Yeah. This whole building of her powers, Chloe as a little girl, is ultimately to find her mom and to save her. Mm-hmm. So... Like, it's got a sweet kind of heartfelt through line that we can see only by the end of it or near the end of it once we've got all the details. And I remember, you know, feeling pretty deep emotion for that. The family unit Mm -hmm. working together to free this mom from whatever she's been kind of imprisoned in, this mountain that's, you know, miles and miles away from them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, this movie does a lot of things right that as individual elements aren't original, but when you piece them all together the way they did, mm-hmm. now we have this new sort of movie that we haven't quite seen before. And so it feels pretty fresh. And I think that's where a lot of the good reviews come from is mm-hmm. doing that and allowing us to go on an experience that we probably haven't seen quite the same way that this is portrayed. 
Yeah, and I think that having a young child as the protagonist and the lead is a different take than a lot of other films that possibly touch on this subject. And the reason I say that is because of that whole unreliable narrator aspect that I was talking about earlier, is that I can never truly tell whether something is happening. I could not tell if this was a child exacerbating situations to this imagined circumstance or whether it was truly happening and that's why the first 30 minutes i was like this is a horror film yeah this is a girl going crazy and something's gonna happen she's gonna snap or something like that she's possessed or something yeah and when it finally is revealed it's superpowers i'm like oh (laughs) okay this is a different film than i thought it was gonna be and i liked it for it because i was like okay I'm gonna buckle in. I'm gonna stay for this one. Yeah, I was. I was like, okay, I can rest easy. I'm a. I'm a scaredy cat who can't take many scares, so I don't have to worry about that too much. But if you're, if you don't like gore, you might not like this film. Yeah, <laughs> it's not not to say there's a lot of gore, but to say when there is gore, I I was like, oh, oh, god. Yeah, a lot of use of the pen and not for writing. Yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Insert Dark Knight famous Joker scene. Ta-da. <laughs> That's right. The first time we see that happen is with Bruce Dern's character, Grandpa, Mr. Ice Cream, whichever you wish to call him. <laughs> he stabs a cook in the eye. And now here's the thing. And if you haven't seen this film, which we already Gave you our spoilers in the beginning that you should go watch it. But if you haven't, they bleed out of their eye whenever they use their powers. And so Bruce Stern's character takes a pin and stabs the cook that they're trying to hide in a kitchen with. Stabs him in the eye. He runs out. He's bleeding from his eye. The cops shoot him. And now we realize, oh, they will kill you on sight if your eye is bleeding. Yeah. So that establishes that if your eye is bleeding in any way, shape, or form, whether it be natural or because you have supernatural powers, you will be shot. So. What a smart decision. Yeah. And so they, next time we see it is when it's another figment or what we assume is a figment of Chloe's imagination. Now you can see that the other characters in the film, Emile Hirsch and Bruce Stern's character, can see these figments or apparitions that Chloe is seeing. They can see them, and so you're like, oh, wow, okay, well, that means she's not just imagining it, and it's not all in her head. Right. They can actually see and interact with it. And as a cop with the neighbor, Chloe, we find in this scene, can possess people. (laughs) I think we found it out previously that she can because she hypnotized and told Emile to go to sleep, and he falls asleep. Like, literally just right then and there, falls asleep. Mm-hmm. and she is able to leave the house but right there we get to see that she can phys like not physically kind of physically it's metaphysical i guess <laughs> she can control the cop to do whatever she says yeah like literally almost like puppetry grabs the pin and then stabs the neighbor in the eye and then takes the gun out and is about to make the cop shoot himself in the head until emil stops her And at that point, I was like, this girl will kill. She's going off. She is bloodthirsty. Man, 
Keeping a girl locked up for seven years will really make her homicidal. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of when the story shifts from like the suspense thriller vibes to like, I don't even know what it shifts to. It's just like, oh shoot, like we're in it now. Like she's going off. There's about to be bodies flying. Yeah. So I guess an action film in that way, but it was just a, a turning point. And then from there on, it's just like piling up the bodies. Yeah, and whenever she starts to release her mom from imprisonment, man, it's kind of creepy seeing a grown man call a younger woman mom, first off. <laughs> that was. And speak in such a way that is more akin to a younger girl. Much props to that actor. Whenever I saw that scene, I was like, there's probably going to be a point in my life where I have to do that. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, as an actor, like, what is that scene like with the other person? You have to act like this little girl talking to this woman who is younger than you are and call her mommy. And I'm like, man, as an actor, that's that's a wild situation. Doesn't he have to say, like, I love you, mommy, or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just over here like, wow, as an actor, much props because... Imagine having, hey, honestly, I would if I had a good script like this. But if we're in just, just in the backyard and I have to call someone, hey, I love you, mommy. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> That's a whole other world there. Some people are in too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the effects for a little bit mm -hmm. as we wrap this up. Because I think we've hit on the two major points that really set this story apart mainly being the, the story itself, the writing mm -hmm. that Adam and Zach were able to do, and then also the acting, mm -hmm. specifically the dad-daughter combination with sprinkles of Mr. Ice Cream or whatever we're calling him, Bruce Dern. I see what you did there. <laughs> sprinkles. All right. Oh, look, now I'm spoon-feeding our audience. They caught it. I didn't need to do that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Outside of that, you think about a movie like this, there's VFX. Like, they're essentially superheroes almost. Mm -hmm. They're killing people from a distance. They're teleporting, blowing things up. You know, mm -hmm. a movie of this size wouldn't normally bite off that sort of caliber of production. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's where we can see that it is a lower budget movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's really well executed. Yeah. The gore, for instance, is really good. That's maybe odd to say, but it's really well done. Mm -hmm. And then just the world shifting and the teleporting and things like that. They, they pass the eye test. Yeah, honestly, when I watched the first time, I was just so engrossed in the film that I was like... I'm fully invested in this. Even if I see something that's slightly iffy as far as a VFX, I'm like, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking it. I'm completely with it. I'm in some of the VFX, you know, you might be able to see some of that, you know, that it is VFX and it might be a lower budget film, but I think it's just executed really well. Yeah, I agree. So... Like always, we come to a time, a special time in the movie review episodes where we have to just give that, uh, gotta give that rating. Gotta give it a number. So 
Put the pen to the paper, the fingers to the keys. What kind of rating are you giving this one? Talk us through it. Well, I think, and I was actually very surprised by this film. Now, the first 30 minutes, as I've said, was kind of iffy for me. Did you by chance watch a trailer or anything first or were you going cold turkey i didn't watch anything cold turkey okay cold turkey went straight in best way i would advise if you've gotten this far cold turkey yeah and except you just heard all the plot <laughs> you know if you heard this whole plot just forget it we'll take the men in black little memory eraser click click <laughs> okay go watch this film yes so the first 30 minutes of this film was kind of iffy for me because I thought it was going to be a horror film. I thought it was going to be psychological horror. But the more it went on, the more I liked it. Because as a fan of sci-fi films, I dig the plot. And it's very well done. Some sci-fi plots just fall short of being believable. And honestly, I think this film, out of a lot of films I've seen recently has a good ending i 100 percent agree it has a good ending one where i'm not like wow why did i sit here for two hours waiting for that you know yep and i i think that this film does a lot well you know honestly i don't even know if i could point out things i don't like mainly because i don't usually look for things i don't like in a film unless they're very readily apparent but this film it does a lot well with what it worked with, you know? Mm -hmm. The locations are not as glamorous as some films. You don't have really huge wide open shots. You don't have big open field scenes and stuff like that. You have more of an intimate location of a house and these mainly most of it happens in the house, sometimes in the car, the ice cream van at a park. But other than that, the locations are very sparse. And I think that with the locations they used, whether that was a directorial producing decision, I don't know. But I think it was really well done. And to bring it all back to the number that I'm going to give it, I'd give this, I'd give it an eight. Wow. He's throwing the eight out, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a very well done film and I would watch it again. Yeah. But would I would I have to stop everything I'm doing to watch it? No, I probably wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I reiterate almost all of those sentiments that you so nicely laid out there for us. And I would add, at least to how I feel like the ending is, it feels like the story is not done. Yeah. But in a way that you want it to be. Yeah. You know, like sometimes a movie ends, you're like, hmm. There's still like some stuff going on, you know, after the movie. You don't want a sequel. You just know that it ended in a good spot to kind of satisfy that craving. Yeah. And I feel like this one really nails that. And for the budget, I mean, they really pulled something off here. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it with the locations, very smart decisions there with keeping it pretty tight, albeit a few scenes where it's more open as we get near the end, but... Yeah, it's just very smart filmmaking. I'm glad that some people came on board to pick up this story from Zach and Adam and get it made. Mm -hmm. And it premiered at the TIFF Film Festival, Toronto International Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, right off the bat, it had pretty high remarks there and went on and had a really great festival run. So it's, it's a movie that, you know, you can watch easily on Netflix or you can watch with your family, perhaps, or, you know, it's very versatile in that way. And again, you mentioned it, rewatchable. Mm-hmm. It's one that you want to throw back on and see what you might have missed. And so for all those reasons, I have to give it the... seems like we give this out a lot, but it's just... It's where things fall. Mm-hmm. It's that eight. Yeah. And I feel like if it's higher than a seven, it's a really well-made film for me and one that I want to circle back to periodically. So, yeah. Eights from both of us. Yeah. All right. Well... We want to thank you all so much for making it to this part of the podcast. And with you making it to this part of the podcast, you're most likely accustomed to us begging you to follow and like the podcast and just share your sentiments with the podcast. But you know what? We already know you will. (laughs) Don't even have to beg. (laughs) We want to say thank you so much for listening and tuning into this episode. Let us know what you think about Freaks what your opinions are. And if you want, and you're feeling extra spicy, you can hit us up at cinevibescast at gmail.com or message us over at the Cinevibes. Also follow us for any future updates on the podcast we may have, any future episodes or possible guests. Let us know. Yeah, we'll keep you updated. And depending on what platform you're listening on, I just want to point out that we're on four platforms. Maybe you're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcast. Maybe you're over on SoundCloud producing your next mixtape. We're on Stitcher. So jump all around. Whatever's your favorite, let us know. And we want to hear from you guys. We want to put it out there. And maybe there's another platform we don't know about. Let us know that as well, because we want this to be as easily accessible to you as possible so you can get your fix of movie reviews and interviews with guests in the film industry. Yes. Anyways, we want to thank you all so much for listening. It really means a lot. And we're at it.